When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Sailing the East podcast. I'm Bala Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. This is our podcast about sailing the East Coast of the United States. In some episodes, we'll focus on passages and destinations. In other episodes, we'll talk about boats, equipment, and techniques. And when we come across an interesting individual, we'll try to get them as a guest on the show. Now, what makes this podcast a bit unusual is that only one of us sails. And that would be me. Uh, I'm the sailor. I've been sailing for over 30 years, not across oceans, but on lakes and coastal cruising on the east coast of the United States. And I, Mike, know very little about sailing. I don't even know the difference between a rope and a line, quite honestly. So we've got an agreement, Bela and I, right? I ask most of the questions and Bela, you try to answer. Now, Bela, I understand you got the boat in the water, which I'm pretty sure is a pretty exciting, uh, a pretty exciting time for you. Now, I'm interested in this. I've seen the lifts on the, on the, at the docks, right? And they pull the boat out of the water, but I've never seen how they get the boats from the parking lot, right? All the way to the dock. Okay. So I'm, I'm having trouble visioning what this looks like. How do they pick up a boat? I mean, I've seen pictures of your boats. It's a big boat. It's like what? 45 feet long and a 25,000 pounds or something like that. How, what kind of machine picks this boat up and drives it into, over to the water? Yeah, it, it really is remarkable, and, it, and it's remarkable to watch, Mike. Uh, it's a big machine called a travel lift, and it's a very clever design. You know, being an engineer, I, I sort of look at it, and I'm in awe, going, wow, that thing is really well done, and it works really well. And most ser- full-service marinas have one. They come in different sizes, uh, so they have different capacities for lifting uh, boats up. Uh, and it's sort of like a four-legged contraption, uh, with steerable wheels on each of the legs. So they can position this uh, over the boat that sort of straddles the boat, and then there's these two big straps that sort of hang down from this contraption that go underneath the boat. And, and uh, they can then raise those straps up, and one of the straps goes about a third of the way back from the front of the boat, and the other strap goes about a third of the way back from the stern of the boat, you know, that's the tricky part because I have seen, you know, YouTube videos of them not putting the straps in the right place and they pick the boat up and all of a sudden the boat tips. But the guys at our marina really know what they're doing. Uh, so they get these straps under the boat, then they can lift the straps up and uh, lift the boat up and then they can drive it to wherever they want. And they have this uh, place over the water where there's like these two piers that are separated by the distance the wheels are apart on this travel lift so they can drive the travel lift out along these piers and now the boat is hanging over the water and then they can lower the boat down uh, into the water. Undo the straps and the boat's in the water. And and I tell you, every time I've seen one of them, one of these, when they pick the boat up and they put it in, 
I'm, I'm all, it's one of, it's like a kid in an airport or, or a kid, you know, watching a construction site. I can just sit there and watch it for a while because I'm just amazed how the whole thing comes together. And, and these guys do it every day. They're really good at it, but I'll tell you when it's my boat, I still get nervous. <laughs> I don't know why, but you know, my, my pulse rate goes up a little bit when I see it. I don't blame you. I would be, I would be really nervous too. I mean, it's like moving a whole house, right? I mean, I've seen when they move houses, right? And it's the same thing. It's like, oh my gosh, this is cool. Okay. So you get to the boat, they drive it over to the water and then you can jump on right there. You walk, you walk out and get on the boat or right. You're not on the boat when they're moving it, right? Uh, you, you, you can be. Uh, you, so, so when I had the boat taken out before I bought it for what's called the survey. So the survey is like the home inspection. And as part of the survey, they actually lift the boat out of the water so your inspector can look at the hull and the propeller and all that kind of stuff. So in that case, you can be on the boat. Uh, but in this case, at the marina, since this is like a jigsaw because they have all these boats in this big parking lot and they're picking up on them up one at a time and weather impacts whether they can pick them up or not, et cetera, I really didn't know exactly what day it's going in. Uh, and, and given the fact that I live three and a half hours away, uh, I was not there for when they put the boat in the water. Okay. Uh, so what they do is they plop it in the water um, and then they take it over. They have a little tugboat uh, that ties up to a little runabout that ties up to the side of my boat. And they drive it over to its slip and they tie it up and they leave it there. And then they let me know, hey, your boat's in the water. Cool. So, so when you I got went there, out, it was in its regular slip. Yeah, when I when I got there, it was tied up in its slip. It'll be the slip for the summer. Uh, so they put Paradox, which is the name of the boat, uh, in the water and tied it up to the slip. So the first thing I did uh, when I got there was I hooked up shore power. So you can do that from the slip? Explain this to me. Yeah, yeah. So shore power. So a boat, uh, typically large boats, have two electrical systems. There's a big set of batteries and I mean big batteries, uh, that sort of will run everything on the boat. Uh, will run, you know, the lights, uh, help you, you know, to start the motor, uh, run uh, the radios, the navigation equipment, etc. cetera. Um, and it also will run the sump, the, the, what I call the, the bilge pump, right? Mm -hmm. Or in a house, a sump pump, right? A bilge pump. Because the, the, the way the boat is shaped, if any water comes into the boat, it all drains to a low point in the boat by design. And there's a pump there that'll pump the water out so your boat doesn't sink. So one of the uh, uh, high uh, risk areas uh, for boat sinking is when they're first put back in the water because you forgot to connect something up. <laughs> and so, uh, or a boat's just sitting there and a hose pops off, right? It's been known to happen. So you want to make sure your sump pumps or your bilge pumps, I should call them, work properly. And uh, so they will run off the batteries. Uh, but batteries also run down. So in addition to the 12-volt system uh, here in the United States, in other parts of the world, it's 24 volts, but it doesn't matter. But, you know, battery power. Uh, there is also, you can plug it into the regular electrical outlet that you have, like in your house. They have these pedestals on the docks that you can plug your extension cord in to, in essence. It's called shore power cable, and that plugs in. The other end of the extension cord plugs into your boat. And now 
you you have actually I have elect regular electrical outlets on the boat like you do in a house. So I have 110 volts. I can plug stuff in, and also that charges the batteries. So this way, if your if your boat is plugged into shore power and your sump pump turns on because you have a leak in the boat, and it's a good size leak, and your sump pump's running, you know, for a half hour every 45 minutes, it's not going to run your batteries down. So that's sort of an important thing. Um, and uh, so anyway, that's the first thing I did was I hooked up shore power. So it starts charging the batteries and uh, all the electrical systems uh, work uh, really well. And uh, so that takes off sort of the pressure of, oh, uh, you know, my battery's going to last or whatever uh, in case uh, there's a leak on the boat. Do you pay, to like, do they charge you a flat fee? Is it just part of having the slip or do they meter it and you pay the electricity that you use? How does that work? So uh, it depends on the marina. Uh, some some marinas, it's a flat rate. It's just sort of included in the slip. Mm-hmm. And in other marinas, they actually meter the electricity. So for example, the boat has air conditioning and uh, the air conditioning, uh, you know, as you can imagine, just like in your house, uses a fair amount of electricity. And uh, so, you know, so places, some places will charge you, you know, a flat rate up to a certain amount. And then after that, they kick in a, a, a surcharge, if you will, if you if you have you're running your air conditioning all the time or whatever. Yeah. So that's probably a good question to ask before you kind of sign on the dotted line, sign your contract, right, is to figure out um, what the electricity kind of situation is, because if you're on it all summer running the air conditioning all the time, right, if you're living on there in the summer, that could make a big difference probably in what your annual costs are. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So there's a, you know, some marinas, all, all marinas are coming different ways. You know, there's sort of, it's like a restaurant. There's the fixed price meal. <laughs> it includes mm-hmm. everything. You pay one price and everything's included. And then there's others that are very a la carte where, you know, the, the initial price looks lower, but you're paying for everything. So, for example, taking the boat out of the water and putting it back into the water is included at my marina in, if you have a slip, right? Otherwise, to, like, pull a boat like mine out of the water is, you know, 300 bucks. Right? So, you know, it's sort of it, – it all, it all probably totals up to the, about the same amount when you're done at the end of the year, but it's just the way different uh, organizations tend to do the pricing. Yeah, but when you're a newbie like me, you need to really look carefully and figure this out. You need to do the math, right? That's right. You don't want to get surprised. That's okay. right. So that's helpful. All right. So you're, the boat's in the slip. You're plugged in with your extension cord into the show, shore power. Your char- batteries are charging. You're crossing your fingers that there's not a lot of water in the in the bilge, right? Right. What's that's the that? first thing I checked, right? Was The yeah. first thing I checked was, is there any water in the bilge? <laughs> and it was dry. Okay, good. What's next? Yeah, so then uh, I turn the water back on, right? So you got to remember in the fall when I put the boat away, I had to put uh, this um, uh, antifreeze, the the stuff that's okay to drink. It's not made to drink, but it won't kill you. Uh, non-toxic. Th- non-toxic, yep. Yeah, all to all the water lines because, you know, there's two sinks on the boat. There's two toilets. There's a shower, two showers. There's a uh, kitchen sink, et cetera. So I had to run uh, non-toxic antifreeze through all that stuff. So I got to turn all that back on and flush all that out of the lines. And um, so, and, par- and the Paradox has actually three water tanks. So 
uh, instead of having one huge water tank, there's three smaller water tanks. I think I carry about 160, 165 gallons of water. So it's a lot of water. Uh, and, and that water, you know, goes to the faucets, the showers, the toilets, etc. And when I start filling the tanks, I noticed there was a leak. So there's this uh, uh, manifold that connects the three tanks together. Uh, and then that from there goes to the water pump that supplies the pressure for the water system. And that manifold had a leak in it. So I looked around the boat and I said, hey, you know, the plumbing here is just like on my house. You know, we recently built a house and, and we don't have copper plumbing. We have something called PEX, which is plastic tubing. Much easier to work with. You don't, you're not soldering joints with a blowtorch. You just cut this tubing, you shove it into a fitting and you're done. And the boat had the same thing. And I said, oh, this is great. It'll be really easy to fix. So I get out the piece of uh, the manifold. I figured out where the leak was. Uh, I had a little crack in a piece of PEX tubing. Uh, I go to the hardware store. I buy some PEX tubing. Looks like half inch to me. And I bring it back. Doesn't fit. And I go, what? Well, it turns out <laughs> the marine industry adopted PEX tubing long before the construction industry in the United States did. And this PEX tubing was actually developed over there where you are, Mike, in Germany. So they've used this plastic tubing for plumbing systems for many, many, many years. So the marine industry adopted it early on. And of course, the only place they could get it from was where? Europe. So even though it looks like half-inch PEX tubing, it's not. It's 15-millimeter PEX tubing. Aha. Uh -huh. So this is a problem because the <laughs> it's off just enough that it doesn't work, right? Even That's though you're right. making it in the U.S. Because I know we had it in the U.S. when we our last house we, we installed PEX. We definitely have it here in our, in our bathroom and our kitchen here, which is great. But what you're telling me is it's not the same measurements? That's right. That's right. So, Mike, do you remember, I, I think we're both old enough to remember that number of years ago, I think it was in the 70s. Early the 70s. United, United yeah. States made this declaration. We're going to move to the metric system. We're going to adopt the metric system. And I can remember them changing signs on the highways that would have yeah. both miles per hour and kilometers per hour. All cars, the speedometers had miles and kilometers per hour on them. You know, they start doing all this stuff. And... I said, that was great because this stuff used to drive me crazy. You know, being As a tinkerer, engineer, especially. Yeah, right? being yeah. a tinker or an engineer used to drive me crazy. And for example, I'll tell you, when I worked at IBM, many companies, at least IBM, and this is IBM in the 80s when I worked there, they adopted the metric system before I got there. Everything we did was metric design. And, uh, and it made sense. They're an international company. They, sh they ship products all over the world. So anyway, uh, somehow the whole conversion to metric system sort of faded away. What happened to it, Mike? Do you know? I don't know. Some sort of resistance because I love metrics. I mean, I have a little bit of trouble still when I'm kind of cooking and I'm converting the things that I used to make in the U.S. to here. But in general, speed, distance, weights, it's just a ton easier. I mean, it took me a little while to get used to it. I get it. But yeah, I don't know why in the U.S. we just kind of gave up on it without really trying. Uh, it would it would make sense to use it. It's, it's just it's just much more common sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it bit me. It, it yeah, bit me clearly. in the butt. <laughs> uh, so I was able to sort of uh, stop the leak, 
and I was able to get online. Thank God for the internet, you know, and I, I found a couple of places that sell here in the United States, 15 millimeter tubing and fittings. Uh, and I ordered those from uh, a place online. Uh, and, um, I got them and next time I go to the boat, I'll, uh, I'll install them and, and see how they work. But yeah, that really surprised me. So, all right. So you, it's this, this metric versus English challenge measurement challenge. And I get that. And it's gotta be super frustrating. So you've got a fixed plan, but you know, my other question is, is shouldn't we be able to 3d print these things now? Right. Shouldn't you, you know, we were talking about 3d printing earlier, Bela, you and I, and it yeah. really seems like this is something that you should just be able to say, okay, I want to print this. And 30 minutes later, an hour later, your $800 3D printing machine is printing out a new fitting. It doesn't work yeah. that way, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, you know, uh, my, uh, yeah, I, I, I think 3D printing is, is interesting. It'll be interesting to see where it evolves to. Uh, and, and, you know, will it, will it be like, you know, the printer I have here on my desk that prints my documents? Uh, and will I be able to print things as easily as I print documents these days? And it, it, I think it'd be interesting if we ever get there. But right now, okay. I had to order them online and wait a week to get them. Okay. So, all right, you've got this thing under control, the big problem, right? Hopefully that was the last problem. What's next? So, you know, I, this is a new boat to us. It's a used boat, so it's a 2009. So it's, uh, what, 11 years old, 12 years old. And I don't know about you, Mike, but, you know, we've owned a lot of houses in, in the past. Uh, we've, we tend to move around a fair bit uh, when I change jobs and stuff like that. So every time we sort of moved into a new house, uh, not, not that we're clean freaks, but Elaine and I would typically do a pretty good deep cleaning of the house. We just kind of, while it's empty, kind of go through it and just, you know, get things clean sort of to the level that we want them. So we did the same thing with the boat. Right, the boat's not full of our stuff yet. It's pretty empty, so we. Uh, I brought my shop vac along, and uh, we took Paradox and gave it a good scrubbing inside. And uh, you say to yourself, "Hey, no, no big deal." Well, holy smokes, there's a lot of nooks and crannies on a boat, <laughs> right? And you have to remember, like for example, you know, under each bench, there's a storage area. Behind the backrest on each bench, there's a storage area. Underneath the floor, there's floorboards and floor panels that come up, and you have storage underneath there. Because you can imagine on a boat, storage is a premium. Uh, you want, you, you know, you have a lot of stuff, just like you do in a house. So they have all these nooks and crannies that the clever people who design these things um, make all these little storage nooks. So vacuumed them all out cleaned up all of the woodwork the boat is all wood on the inside uh, except for the ceiling but you know the walls all the furniture uh what's that's not upholstered is all made out of wood so you know cleaned all that stuff up and uh <clears throat> and we start putting stuff away so uh, it's looking really good now and you know actually all that cleaning took a lot longer than we thought and i think part of that's because number one it was parts of it i think hadn't been cleaned since the boat was built and, and, uh, number two, there was a lot of nooks and crannies. So it took us about two days to get the boat cleaned up. But, uh, so, but the next time, uh, we won't be doing that. So it should be good. And, cool. uh, so now we're, I think we're getting ready to go for a sail soon. We get some, the weather has cooled off here, uh, a little bit chilly. And, uh, but I think if we get a nice little warm stretch, uh, time to take her out for a spin. 
Awesome. Fela, congratulations. It's, uh, it's a big step, right, with a new boat, I think, to get it in the water and be ready to go. So just to summarize, um, talked about the travel lift and getting this really large boat moved from a parking lot into the water, got it uh, to the slip, shore power, get the batteries charged, run the bilge pumps, check and make sure that there's no water. You found a small leak, you got to get that fixed. And oh my gosh, the metrics versus, I didn't even think about that with the PECs, uh, but you got that taken care of. And then really the, what, getting it ship shape if I uh, use a bad pun, right? But doing the deep clean that uh, now you're you're really ready to move your stuff in and to get ready for your, your maiden voyage, as, as, a, as it should be called, right? Yeah, I think we're ready, yeah. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to the report from the first sale, Bela. Well, I'm sure we'll cover that uh, in the next uh, few episodes. But listeners, thanks for joining us for another episode, and we hope you found it interesting and thought-provoking. If you have questions about what we discussed today or have suggestions for a future episode, as always, please feel free to get in touch with us. Our email is sailingtheeast, that's all one word, at gmail.com. Hey, and if you really like the podcast, uh, give us a review on your favorite podcasting app. Uh, Also hit that follow button uh, so you don't miss another episode. And so until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you soon, Mike. Sounds great, Bella, from over here in Münster, Germany. See you next time. Mm